there's a groove to get you moving, pumped up with the driving beat of South African Township Pop. But how about that fancy fingerstyle guitar work? Well, let me tell you, there's only one place in the world they play guitar like that. Madagascar. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today we bring you a hip-deep field excursion to the south of Madagascar. The music we're hearing is called Sapik. It's rowdy and joyous party music. It's also a deep expression of culture and spirituality for people in southwest Madagascar, all around the coastal city of Tulea. Le Tsapik, c'est vraiment le drapeau de Tuléar. It's like the flag of Tuléar. That's French ethnomusicologist Julien Mallet declaring Tsapik the flag of Tuléar. Julien is now living in Madagascar, researching his second book on Tsapik. He calls it a young music, and that's true. Tsapik's history goes back only to the late 1970s. Funny thing, though, for such a young music, people don't seem to agree much about its origins. The rhythm tapiki is a story of a bird, you know, the big bird. That's our old friend Sami of the group Tarika Sami. He says Tsapik is an imitation of the movement of a large bird, something like an ostrich that once lived in the south of Madagascar. And that's guitar virtuoso Gary, who began his career playing Tsapik music in Tuléar. He says the style borrows from the accordion music of the Masikuru people. Dans toutes mes recherches pour tous les musiciens de Tsapik, pour tous les gens, ce nom-là n'a pas de sens. Julien Mallet has heard a lot of theories about Tsapik, including the origin of the word itself. Some say it comes from the French Tsapik, it stings like a mosquito biting you, forcing you to dance. Well, we may not know how Tsapik got its name, but we know a lot about the artists and communities who have made this fantastic music the soundtrack to life in the Tudéa region. All that coming up on the Tsapik story. But first, let's hear more from the group Misea.
From Tuléar, Madagascar, Misea with Tsatsk on lead vocal and Lamille on guitar. And I'm Georges Collinet with the Tsapik story on Afropop Worldwide's Hip Deep. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. Okay, before we dive into Mort Sapik, let's check in with our hip deep historian from Madagascar, Pierre Larson of Johns Hopkins University. Professor Larson grew up in Madagascar and has written several books on its history. We asked him to tell us about Tulia. Tuliar was part of the uh, kingdom of Fierena in Madagascar in the 18th and 19th century, a whole series of kings. So in many parts of Madagascar, you have various kingdoms and was also an important region of trade, particularly with South Africa. The Bay of St. Augustine, which lies just south of Tuliar, was a region in which many European ships put in seeking provisions, fresh water, fruit, food, of course, fresh beef, because there are many cattle in that region. So Tuliar sits at a trade crossroads in the Mozambique Channel. And so it's a region in which there are a significant number of influences. There were Norwegian missionaries there in the late 19th century. And of course, during the colonization of Madagascar, a significant French uh, population also. Like other uh, cities in Madagascar, it was a place in which there were a lot of people coming in and out. And musics that come from various parts of the uh, world could wash through Tuliar. Mix par DJ Tanzna. The guitarist Degari says in Tuléar in the 1970s, the national radio station didn't come in too well. But if you have a short wave, you could hear music from Mozambique, Tanzania, and especially South Africa. The South African artist who by all accounts made the biggest splash in Madagascar was this guy, Lulu Masilella. Now, we must point out here that the majority of traditional and popular music in Madagascar is based on so-called ternary rhythm, beats organized in groups of three or six and often fast, like this. But Lulu's South African jive had a rock-solid four-on-the-floor beat. One of Lulu's biggest hits was a saxophone jive number called Six Mabone. C'est un musicien sud-africain qui a été diffusé sur l'île de Madagascar à travers des accords. Julia Malé says the Malagasy record label Discomad distributed Lulu's recordings all over Madagascar and they were massive hits to the point where Lulu's name came to refer to a whole genre of music. People just called it Lulu music. On dit qu'on joue la musique Lulu. On joue du Lulu. At that time, the local music of Tulea was pecto, named after a candy with a strong flavor. The most popular pecto musician was Boloku. Unfortunately, he made very few recordings. 
we went to a music stall in Tulia where they sell all sorts of MP3 recordings. And the only thing we found was a tribute song with Teta on guitar. There's no mistaking the South African flavor here. But for Lulu music and Pecto to become Tsapik, there needed to be an infusion of local Malagasy flavor. And one place it came from was the music of trance, spirit music. Oh, I want to go back. This is Mario, perhaps best known as the amazing percussionist who tours with the Gary. But at home in Tuléar, Mario mostly plays the Maruvan, a box zither used in trance rituals called trumba. Mario says Trumba is a kind of divination ceremony in which ancestors pass messages to the living. There are many varieties of Trumba in Madagascar, but in the Tulia region, it is often the Mauvan that draws the ancestor near and allows the dead to speak. That's Mario performing on Maruvan with Katsa percussion, especially for Afropop Worldwide. Intricate picking like this was a big influence on the fingerstyle guitar technique that became a trademark of Tsapik. Tsapik is not a part of possession rituals, but it is performed at other important ceremonies, circumcisions, weddings, and especially funerals. This is the guitarist Teta back in the day, warming up his Tsapik band for a burial ceremony in the countryside outside Chiliar. These ceremonies can be huge, with whole villages and extended families attending. Before there was Tsapik, more traditional music would have animated these gatherings, and that still happens. But ever since the 1980s, all through this region, 
people of every ethnic affiliation have favored Tsapik for these crucial ceremonies. And that's one reason Julien Mallet became so fascinated by this music. C'est une musique qui est très fortement ancrée et prise dans les pratiques locales ici à Tuléa. Julien says Tsapik is deeply ingrained in the local culture. These ceremonies are held throughout the arid countryside around Tuléa, and the party lasts for days. With all the drinking, dancing, sleeplessness and non-stop tzapik, Julia says people enter a state of collective trance. And that communal experience brings them closer to their departed ancestors. Honoring the ancestors is still a very important part of life in Madagascar. That's Duke University cultural anthropologist Margaret Lou Brown, who began working in Madagascar in the early 90s. Funerals are just one way that Malagasy people honor their ancestors. Around this enormous island, there are many rituals focused on the dead. In one called Famidian, the bones of a beloved ancestor are removed from the family tomb. Family members wrap the bones in fresh cloth, dance and sing with them, and then return them to the tomb. This might strike you as macabre, but Margaret Lou Brown finds much to admire in these practices. What I think about when I think about ancestor veneration in Madagascar is that what it does is it requires you to be a particular kind of person in the present for a couple of reasons. One is what we typically think of. You don't want to get the ancestors mad at you because they might curse you, bad things will happen. But another side of it is that you want to be honored by your descendants. So you want to be the kind of person that your children and grandchildren want to do good things for. They want to be successful in life. They want to have cattle. They want to have rice. And so it's a very forward-looking way of living to be ancestor-focused. We'll return to ancestors and ceremonies in a moment. But first, Afropop's Banning Air sat down with a number of Tsapik guitarists and band leaders during the weeks we spent in Madagascar, and he learned a lot about their lives and art, starting with the player we are hearing now, Teta. When Ted pulled out his guitar on a sunny afternoon in Tuliar, he soon started playing a song I recognized. It was his Baluku tribute track, a sweet riff. The three-chord harmony of South African pop is there, but in Teta's hands, there's also the finesse of a Tsapik master. I asked Teta who his influences were back in the beginning. He mentioned Bluko, of course, and then a shout-out I heard often among Tsapik guitarists. <laughs> Teta's manager, Tutu Balafumanga, was not surprised to hear Jimi Hendrix invoked. He grew up with uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, Eric Clapton. Uh, even the way he was dressing with the blue jeans, very tight, the legs and the boots and the black t-shirt with uh, a leather, uh, a leather vest, similar. Il y a eu beaucoup. Les gens écoutaient aussi beaucoup de Jimi Hendrix ou d'autres euh, guitar hero comme ça à l'époque. 
Julian Malay confirms the Hendrix obsession among early Tsapik guitar stars. He says, in the middle of a ceremony, you might see the guitarist playing with his teeth or with his guitar behind his back, and you'll often hear guitar distortion. These days, Teta has left that life behind. He lived in Madagascar's highland capital in Tananarive for a while, collaborating with non-Sapik artists. He's back in Tuliar now, working with his producer on a more personal, poetic, and bluesy sound. But I was curious about the old days, when Tete and his band worked the ceremony circuit. Tete told me he was born in 1967 to a musical family he started out playing a homemade mandolin and moved on to guitar. Once Tsapik music became popular, Tete made himself available to middlemen in Tuliar, entrepreneurial operators who owned sound equipment and hired out bands for ceremonies throughout the countryside. The pay was terrible, but in the beginning Tete says he didn't mind. All he cared about was the music. Damil, another of Tsapik's most celebrated guitarists and band leaders, told a similar story when we met in Tuliar. Damil says, I was happy because I never imagined I would get to use equipment like that. He says he was making trois fois rien, three times nothing, and that was for the whole band. But at least he was playing. You can tell these events were exciting for a young guitarist. For anybody, really. Julian Malay is now a veteran of Tsapik ceremonies, and he told me what they're like. Julian says when there's a burial, family and friends come from hundreds of kilometers away. When the music starts, they parade before the band with anga, gifts or money for the family of the deceased. Guns are fired into the air, and there's lots of drinking and ostentatious dancing. The musicians have to adapt their playing to suit the action. That's one reason Sapik's songs are so long. One thing you hear a lot is a moment when the band seems to stop, shifts gears to a higher tempo, and then races on, like this. Julian says that false stop signals the kilatsak, the animation section of the song that comes after the singing is done. Even pop recordings of Tsapik songs end with a section of kilatsak, but at a ceremony, these shifts happen often. The guitarist improvises in short phrases, driving the action. No matter how good a singer a band might have, the guitarist is the star. That's why Tsapik bands are almost always named for the guitarist. One exception to that rule is the group Rasua Kininiki, named for the singer Rasua, who in the early 2000s became the first Sapik artist to make real crossover recordings. Songs that received radio play all over Madagascar and put Sapik music on the national map for the first time. <laughs>
Sapik from Rasua Kininiki. By the way, the word Kininiki is the name of the signature dance in Sapik music. It involves impossibly fast and completely isolated rotation of the buttocks. Something to see, I tell you. You want to see it? Well, check out our selection of Sapik videos and read interviews with our commentators, all on afropop.org. But Banning, I believe you have one more Tsapik guitarist to introduce to us. That's right, George. His name is Pascal, and he's a guitarist for and former husband of Rasua Kaniniki. Pascal is one blazing player who regaled us on acoustic guitar during our interview in Tana. Pascal, formerly of the band Rasua Kininiki. Yeah, George, this guy is amazing. And check him out on electric guitar. Pascal describes himself as a mercenary guitarist in the capital city. He plays a variety of styles with a bunch of different artists. But when we caught him with a band at La Glacier, a popular downtown night spot, he pulled out his Sapik roots just for us. is an approximation of the ambiance you might find at a Tzapik ceremony. Pascal certainly paid his dues in that world. So just to confirm what I'd heard, I asked him about the length of time bands have to keep playing at a ceremony. Minimum Two days minimum, he says. The band stops only to eat and they play only Tzapik, nothing else. Pascal's an interesting artist because he came out of the ceremony scene and went on to play on his wife's crossover pop releases. I asked him about the importance of lyrics in these two very different worlds. Pascal says vocals are very important on a recording because it's not just for Tuliar, it's for the whole country. But at a ceremony, it's much more about the band, the groove, and the guitar playing. Pascal says the vocals aren't that important. Julien Mallet says that's true and it's not true. 
Sapik's songs are not literary works that tell stories and teach lessons, but they do bear witness to local events. There might be proverbs interspersed with interjections of, come on, let's go. So the lyrics are not linear, but they do touch on important subjects. Important subjects like the problems of criminality and cattle rustling that are currently making it more and more difficult to hold ceremonies in the Tulea region. More on that coming up. Plus Gary, Antandrui, and other roots sounds, and the return of the Tsapik king, Damil, to his hometown Tulea. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Madagascar is a huge island, bigger than California. Malagasy people call it the island continent, and there's a real ethnic diversity among its 22 million people. Officially, they all speak the same language, but in reality, there are regional dialects and communication between different groups can be a challenge. Here's historian Pierre Larson. Scholars think about language in Madagascar and in other places in different ways. There are the lumpers, those who see variations in language as being variations around a common theme. These would be the people who say that Madagascar has a single language. And then there are the splitters, uh, the people who say that there are such differences among the dialects that they begin to amount to different languages. I tend to be more of a lumper. But it is important to realize that if you take very different places in Madagascar and you put people together for the first time, they may have some difficulty understanding each other. In another Hip Deep in Madagascar program, we'll get into the political implications of language and ethnic identity on the island. Historically, the dominant ethnic group has been based in the central highlands around Antananarive. That's the domain of the Merina people. Their dialect is still considered the official Malagasy. Here's cultural anthropologist Margaret Lou Brown. The famous kings and queens of Madagascar were all Marina. And then the Sokolov were more on the north and northwest. And then there are these other groups like the Betsimsarika, um, the Makua, who traditionally are known as the descendants of slaves, the Tsimieti, the Antimuru, the Makea, uh, the Bara, the Betsileo. Um, the Antandrui. So, you know, there's a whole list of them that, that you could find. And, of course, over time, this has all become much more fluid. In many ways, ethnic identification is not something that carries a lot of weight in Madagascar today, but it hasn't entirely been erased. Ethnic groups tend to wax and wane over time in Madagascar. During the colonial era, the French decided that there were exactly 18 ethnic groups. And if you went about the island and asked people how many ethnic groups there are, you will get different answers. True enough. Hilary Brandt's authoritative travel book on the island nation lists 22 separate groups. 
But while we were there, well, we met people who identified themselves in groups not on her list, or the official list of 18. about Madagascar people is that they trace their identity through both their father's and their mother's lines. So a woman doesn't lose her ethnic identity when she marries, and her children carry her identity with them. So if I were to ask a child what kind they were, then they would say, well, I am, for example, Betsimsarika from my father, and I'm Makua from my mother. And it's important to them that they remember those things for many reasons. Um, Practical reasons are different ethnic groups have different taboos about what they can eat and what they can do. Different groups might have their tombs in different places. And so it's not just about where they might be buried one day, but it's also about making sure that they continue to honor the people who came before them. Julia Mallet says that anthropologists today have to redefine notions of ethnicity in Madagascar. This whole idea of 18 ethnic groups is a colonial holdover, and it reinforces tired clichés about how Highland people are closer to Madagascar's Asian population, more civilized and intelligent, while coastal people are closer to Africa, and therefore savages. One reason Tsapik has become so popular in the Tulea region is that it transcends ethnic identity. It's music for everyone. But while we were in the region, we did get around to hear some of the ethnic music that might also be heard in family ceremonies, starting with the amazing Antandrui musician Remanindr. Here he is playing the Antandrui fiddle, known as Lokanga. <laughs> Remanindr is truly a larger-than-life figure. We first met him back in 2001, and he blew us away with his group's performance. This time, we dropped in at his house one morning on a back street in Tulea. He and his family members performed for us in tight quarters, under a thatched roof hung with enormous gourds. Unforgettable.
perpaduan dengannya The incredible Antandrui musician Remanindr with his family ensemble. Remanindr introduced us to an improvised vocal style often performed at funerals. It's called Beku. It turns out that Beku is a big story. There are a number of varieties in southwest Madagascar, and Beku has inspired some innovative popular musicians on the national scene. That includes the singer Mikea and the brothers and sisters of the acclaimed group Njava. All that is the subject of a special Afropop podcast, Beku and Blues in Southwest Madagascar, with Banning Air. Look for it soon on iTunes or afropop.org. One day, we left Tuliar and drove inland, into Bara country. The Bara are famed for breeding cattle, zebu as they call them. Our destination was the village compound of one Lambu Eduard, leader of the region's most in-demand music and dance troupe. Lambodoir, as they're known, are one of the last such groups left. Edouard says this art is something he inherited from his ancestors. The music features flutes and drums, and the ten or so members of his troupe donned colorfully striped robes and performed for us right in the family compound. The whistle you'll hear signals the dancers, who engage in lively dialogue with the instrumentalists. Edouard and his troupe were on their way to play a famadian, 
a ceremony where a family brings out and re-wraps the dry bones of an ancestor. But he told us the festivities would not extend into the night. It's too dangerous. In recent times, there's been no security in this region. Armed thieves come to steal cattle and other animals, anything of value they can kill. And even the police who come to restore order sometimes kill young people in the village. We live in a state of fear, said Edouard. Il y a eu une peur dans la région. Julien Mallet also spoke of an atmosphere of fear in this region, and that means fewer ceremonies, less social interchange, and less work for all sorts of musicians. It's complicated, says Julien. There are traditional forms of cattle stealing, and then there are armed and organized zebu rustling mafias, some say with government connections. The police and army have been known to burn villages, a lot of people were afraid to discuss this, but not the singer Mikea. He even wrote a song about it, Hazulav, or Help. Pourquoi il a volé les zébis Je comprends très bien. J'étais gardien des zébis pendant des années de mon enfance. Mikea says he was a cattle guardian when he was young in southwest Madagascar. Some of his boyhood friends went on to become cattle thieves themselves. For rural people, cattle are the bank, the only way to secure wealth, because there's been no development and no education in this region. People started to think stealing cattle was their culture. It's not, says Mikea. And sending the military to burn villages is not the answer. Better, he says to build schools. That's the inimitable guitarist The Gary in a special performance for Afropop Worldwide. Watch for the video on our website, afropop.org. Turns out The Gary too was a cattle guard when he was young, and his signature song, Olifa Ali, is about that experience, one of his fondest memories of youth.
the great Dagari on another edition of Hip Deep in Madagascar. But coming back to the Tsapik story, you might remember that Dagari told us a key ingredient in the sound was the accordion music of the Masikuru people. Here's a recording made by Julia Mali. four-on-the-floor beat and short repeated phrases. Sounds like Tsapik to me, but be careful. As we discovered on our first trip to Madagascar, lots of traditional cabos or mandolin groups also played Tsapik. Some musicologists identified them as a traditional source for the music. Not so, says Julia Mallet. They picked it up from the electric bands. Speaking of the Masikuru, in Antananarive, we met members of a group called Mamada. The Ma stands for Masikuru, an ethnic identity these folks are proud of. This song, Asiru He Sits, or Push Ahead, is the group's take on Tsapik music. Now, I'm going to play you the studio version. You'll notice that the keyboard sounds like an accordion. Sitting 
group Mamada with their take on Sapik. Mamada plays all over Madagascar, but the leader, Alexandre, told us that Sapik is only a small part of their repertoire. The audience prefers their slow ballads. Well, to each his own. But this points to a real problem for Tsapik music. It does not enjoy a strong national audience. And with all the security issues in the Tulea region and less work for musicians, Tsapik is starting to fade, even in Tulea. Julien Mallet's recent research indicates that more and more of the real Tsapik bands are basing themselves in the countryside, playing local ceremonies and staying out of the general public's eye. Meanwhile, well, the old guard of Tsapik, like Rasua Kininiki, Pascal and Teta, have either moved to Tana or ventured outside the genre. All this makes you wonder about the music's future. And that brings us to our final artist for today, guitar maestro and Tsapik band leader extraordinaire, Damil. Damien says he grew up with Sapik in a village about 100 miles outside Tuliar. His mother made three-stringed mandolins for him and his brother to play while she spent days away from home, fishing for food for the family. This was the time when traditional players were changing their music, imitating the rising new sound of Tsapik. Damil began playing ceremonies himself in 1985, part of the Tuliar system, earning trois fois rien, three times nothing, as he told us earlier. He didn't get his first guitar until 2001, 16 years into his career. Damiel recorded six albums in Madagascar in the 90s, and this was one of his big hits. The title means Yesterday's Bird, a metaphor for letting bygones be bygones. But really, the song was to introduce his group, the same one he still leads today. Damiel's story took a unique turn in 2001. At the top of his game in southwest Madagascar, he fell in love with and married a French woman, and they moved to France. He kept playing Tsepik, resisting any temptation to change it or fuse it with other styles. He flew in his band for shows in Europe, and they recorded two beautiful albums, including the one we're hearing now. But in all those 14 years, he never once played a concert in Tuliar. Until now. Ah ouais, c'est vraiment historique parce que même le public eux-mêmes 
Speaking a few days before the concert, Damil declared it historic. He said, I hope the public all come to dance with us and enjoy the moment. It's important for them and for us also. Because this is the history of Sapik music. They are the ones who cared for me. That's why I'm doing this concert for free. It's a gift. One afternoon, we rode around Tulliar and Julian Malay's SUV with a speaker wired to the roof and an MC loudly publicizing the show. The concert was to be an open-air event by St. Augustine Bay. Nobody really knew who would show up. Tuliar's a young town these days, full of kids who've never seen Damil play a ceremony or even a show. Just the same, everyone expected a crowd. There was just one problem, rain. On a day of heavy rain, we made our way to the workshop of a crucial player in the Sapique scene, a guy called Vincent. Vincent makes and repairs amplifiers and PA systems for ceremonies. He salvages old circuit boards and speakers wherever he can find them. Vincent is reminiscing about his formerly busy life doing sound at ceremonies. But like everyone else, he told us times have changed. Vincent used to do four ceremonies a month, but these days, with all the banditism and violence, there are far fewer. Despite all these problems, Sapik music endures, changing its form and context to suit the times. The producer Tutu Balafamanga says even the cattle rustlers will hire a Sapik band when it's time to party. Even the halu, the people who steal the beefs, they call the Tzapik player to come because they know they have some strong thing. <laughs> this is the spiritual thing. Music is medicine. Even in sorrow, music helps to calm the strong feeling who can destroy you. When the day came for Damil's concert, the rains had passed. In the golden afternoon sunlight, thousands gathered, male and female, young and old, ready to raise Tuliar's Tzapik flag once again. Oh, ay, 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 ay,
great Damil playing live in Tulia for the first time in 14 years and closing out this Afropop Worldwide edition of Hip Deep in Madagascar. Visit afropop.org to download the full 18-minute version of this track. Support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts that believes a great nation deserves great arts, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And remember to support the station that brings you Afropop Worldwide. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the Apollo Theater, presenting Africa Now, celebrating South African culture with performances by Simpiwe Dana, The Soil, Tumi Molekane, and hosted by Hugh Masekela, October 9 to the 13th. More information, apollotheater.org. And from Carnegie Hall, presenting Ubuntu, a celebration of South African music and culture, including concerts by Ladysmith Black Mambazo, Hugh Masekela, Vusi Marcasela, Dave Matthews, and others. From October 2 to November 5th. More information at carnegiehall.org slash South Africa. Thanks to all our friends in Tulea, especially Julien Mallet, Damil and his family, our interpreter Daniel Fanina, and Felix, our loyal Puspus guy. Thanks also to all our Kickstarter supporters, and to Jonathan Longcor, and Razia Saeed, and the Gary. We couldn't have done this without you. Watch Afropop.org for interviews with Damil and with our Hip Deep advisors, Pierre Larson and Margaret Lou Brown. And stay tuned for our Afropop podcast, Beku and Blues, in Southwest Madagascar. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Stephanie Lebeau. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Sam Backer. And I'm Georges Collinet. Public Radio International.